0: At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. I wonder today, as we look at what's happened, as your pastor just referred, there's been some real ups and downs that's happened over the last several years. Would you agree? And, uh, and coming up to uh, next year's election and all of the way in which people... Uh, politicize things. I love to tell our church all the time, God is not a Republican and he's not a Democrat. And then I love to say the one that makes everyone go, oh, I say, God's not even an American. He's the God of the universe. Can you say amen? He's the father of us all. And But I've seen some things that, to be honest with you, that let's be real, that I just disturbed me in the way, so way in which some people were behaving. You know, COVID would separated families. Literally, you know, whether you were vaccinated, whether you weren't vaccinated, and families, and I'm not here, I promise you, relax, but I'm not here to try and talk about all that. I'm just saying, I, there's some things I didn't like see how it affected the church and the mentality of Christians that I think we should live to a higher level. Um, some of the political opinions in which some people feel like unless you elect this person then you know you're not really a christian or even some of the social injustice matters and and so many different things and I was really praying about god help me speak kingdom culture to all this just culture that's happening in the world today without a bias as to trying to win an argument on one side or the other but what is your heart for the Christians in the kingdom of God, how should we live? And I really felt like the Lord gave me this scripture, Luke chapter 9. And I want to talk today on a different spirit, a different spirit. Are you ready for this? A different spirit. And so Luke chapter 9, verse 54, I'm going to break into the text. I'll explain some of the context in just a moment. But let me read it to you. Is that okay? It says, and when he's disciples James and John saw this. Everybody say, saw this. So they saw something, and it says, and when his disciples James and John saw this, Lord, they said, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Now, could you imagine what it was that they saw that would make them turn to the Lord, the Jesus, the one that opens blind eyes and wounds funerals and raises people from the dead, has mercy on a woman caught in the very act of adultery. What was it that they saw that would make them just the only logical conclusion is, Lord, would you have us call down fire from heaven? They Would you want us to go old school like Elijah who called down fire on the people in the Old Testament. What was it that they had seen that would make them think that these people deserved to be nuked? Are you hearing me? And so, and I love Jesus' response, and he goes, just as Elijah did, they said, but he turned to them. See, they, who was it? James and John, are rebuking the people and what they saw and what they did. And they're so rebukers, so harsh, so non-negotiable, so judgmental, that the only thing they can think that these people deserve is to be smoked right there on the spot. Okay? And Jesus sees that His disciples are rebuking the people, but Jesus turns now that rebuke and rebukes them. And look what He says. He turned to them. And he rebuked them. And he said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Wow, I wonder if we know what manner of spirit we are of. When we are too quick to judge. When we don't consider what that person has gone through. When we just come to our own natural mind and resources and opinions as to how to deal with this. Who's ever... Judge something too quickly and kind of wished you didn't do that. Anybody? All right, close your eyes, bow your heads. Who's ever? Okay, all right. I mean, I've been and I read this scripture, and I think this for me is one of the most challenging scriptures I could ever read because I ask myself, Do I know what manner of spirit I am of? Because when I look at these disciples and see their response, they were righteously indignant. They felt that they were justified. They felt like these people deserved to have this to them. but and, and, and so much so, they were looking for the affirmation of Jesus to go, go ahead, do it, believing this is the only logical thing that could happen to them. But Jesus then turns and says, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. And I'm asking me today and I'm asking you today, do we know what manner of spirit we are of. One thing I hate is I hate legalism. Can anybody say amen to that? And and so uh, Numbers chapter 14, let me show you the kind of spirit the Bible says we should have. Numbers 14, verse 24. But Caleb, my servant, because he has a different spirit in him, and he has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants will inherit. The Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit. So I preached this for four—excuse me—four weeks in our church about a different spirit. And do you know who the biggest impact this message had? Uh, now, whenever I'm preaching, I've got one finger pointed there, but I got four pointed back at me. So I want to make sure, number one, I'm doing the very best I can to live to this message. But beyond me, do you know who the biggest impact this message had? It was on my wife. All of a sudden, I went, "Honey, you're different. What's going on?" She goes, "Oh, that message, that whole series undid me." And and gotta, you know, my wife is the closest thing to perfect you'll ever see on planet Earth. She is the sweetest, the kindest, the most gracious, the most loving, the most compassionate, the most considerate, um, the most disciplined, the most stable, mature. I mean, she's everything I'm not. And 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 I went, honey, what's happened to you? And, and, and I hope this doesn't sound chauvinist or sexist. And if it does, I apologize for it sounding that way. Is that okay? But she's already uh, like a great wife and a great mother. And we've got three kids and we've got nine grandchildren. Praise the Lord. That's God's reward for not killing your kids. <laughs> she's already... I mean, she's the best mother in the world. She's the best grandmother in the world. But all of a sudden, she's doing things like I've never seen her do before. Like, our house now is so organized. Nothing is out of place. And, and I'm the clutter king. I just, I'm, I just, you know, I'm the clutter king. I like clutter. I'm a, my wife tells me I'm a bit of a hoarder. I don't think I'm a hoarder. I'm more of a collector. But she's now going through all my stuff. And putting things in baskets with labels on it and like clean and organized. And she's always been that, but she's that on steroids now. I said, what happened to you? She goes, that message, different spirit. I said, honey, could you dial that down just a little bit here? Everything's got a basket. There's even a basket with a label on it saying baskets. And there's nothing in the basket. So uh, so I, I love this idea of having... A different spirit. See, it's one thing to know what, no, to not know what manner of spirit you are. It's another thing to say, I want to be somebody who has a different spirit. I believe we're called to be different. The Bible says we're strangers, we're aliens, we're pilgrims, we're just passing through. There ought to be something different about us. Not in the different, in the sense of like, well, you know, when you're maybe chatting about somebody and you go, I'm not sure about them. And then you go, they're different. I'm not that kind of different. But I'm talking about the kind of different way you stand out. There's just something about you that people go, now that's different. That's a different response than what I would have expected. And so I love this thought here. You know, when Jesus called the disciples to follow him, the Bible says they immediately, they left their nets And followed after Christ. There was something different about Jesus. Would you agree? One Roman soldier was sent to arrest Jesus. And you'd imagine if you're a Roman soldier and you've been sent to arrest God. Like, you know, you kind of think, well, I carry the authority of the Roman government. I'm from Caesar. And I'm here to arrest this man, Jesus, who thinks he's God in the eyes of a Roman soldier. And he gets up there and and, and he, he thinks, well, this may be the last time we ever see or hear from this guy. And I heard he's a bit of an interesting character. So before I arrest him, I want to see what he does. I might see a miracle. I might hear something that he's got. I want to hear what he has to say. He's got the power to arrest him, but he stands back. This is literally what happened. He stands back, and he starts listening to Jesus. And, he sta- and, and all of a sudden, now remember, he's sent there to arrest Jesus. And he all of a sudden, he's, and this is what I think happened to him. He's standing there going, man, that was really good. I've never heard someone speak like that before. Boy, that's a profound thought. I really need to hear that. And boy, my wife probably could have heard that. I wish my boss heard that. And oh, wow. And he was so taken with what Jesus said. Did you imagine this? Sent by the Roman government, a Roman soldier to arrest Jesus. And he's so taken by the words of Jesus that he walks back to where he was sent from. And they're all waiting going, where is he? And this Roman soldier goes, where's who? And they went, Jesus, we sent you to arrest him. And he goes, oh, oh, that's right. And listen to what he said. Never a man spoke like that man. He was different. He was sent to arrest Jesus, but instead he was arrested by the words of Jesus. And I'm praying today that this message would challenge you and I to know what manner of spirit we are of. That we would determine in our hearts, we're going to be different than the world. Can you say amen? We're not going to be carnal and worldly. And we're not going to be sitting on the side of judgment or harsh or a a grace that is so free that it gives permission for people to never change. But I'm praying today, we're the kind of people that say, we're going to have a different spirit. Can you say, not just Christian in name only, but we're going to be a different spirit. So I wrote down a few characteristics of what I think in Scripture, what it means to have a different spirit. Are you interested? Anybody want to know a little bit more about what it is to have a different spirit? Amen. So here's the first one. Different spirited people, listen to this, write this down if you've got pen and paper, are quick to lead, are quick to lead Joshua three verse one the Bible says when when Moses died he said to Joshua now listen Joshua as I was with Moses so I'll be with you and, and the Bible talks about Caleb who had a different spirit but the other person that the Bible names in name that has a different spirit is Joshua Joshua and Caleb were the two spies that brought back the positive report everybody else was negative. Everybody else was negative Nigel. You know, some people are so negative, he put them in a dark room, they develop. Amen? But these two came back saying, we can do this. We can take this land. We can can defeat the giants. They're but bread for us. But look what the Bible says. When God spoke to Joshua, now, when he, let me just contrast it. When he spoke to Moses, remember what Moses did? Who am I? Who are you? Send somebody else. I can't speak properly. And God ultimately used Moses, didn't he? And got the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness. But it was God who used Joshua to get them into where he promised them. But look at the difference between Moses. God, who am I? I'm a nobody. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. How many know this song? Think I'll go eat worms. That's what I sing to my grandchildren when they start getting all sad and miserable. Uh, and, and, and Moses doesn't want to go send somebody else. And listen to Joshua chapter 3. God says, Moses is dead. Now you get up, you arise, and the immediate response of Joshua. Watch this. Joshua rose early in the morning. Another translation says it even better. Next morning, Joshua, after God spoke to him, the very next thing Joshua did was get up and he set out from Arcasia and came to the Jordan and he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. Can I tell you, when you got a different spirit, you're not waiting to see what God's doing. You are Quick to respond to what God says to you. Two thirds of God's name is go. What are you waiting for? Some people have got to get off their blessed assurance. Amen. When God speaks to you, you got to do what God tells you to do. You don't wait and see what the crowd does. You don't wait for everybody else. When God speaks to you like your pastor talked about this morning, amen, I'm going to embrace what the Word of God says, and I'm going to be quick to lead. When there's an opportunity to step up and serve, you're not seeing who else is serving. If there's a need in the house of God, in the nursery, in the volunteering, or ushering, you are there. You are serving. You are quick to to lead. You're not waiting for three confirmations and an angelic visitation if there's a need. What can I do? How can I help? I'm here to serve. I am quick to lead. Come on. That's a different spirit. People who will act immediately on the purposes of God. Amen. That's a different spirit. God give us a church of people with a different spirit. I mean, we're here. We're quick. We don't come in the church, the service starts at We're not rolling in here at 10.35. Amen. Now, if you got here at 10.35, grace be unto you. But now here's the word. Are you ready for it? We are are quick to leave. People say in our church all the time, our pastors, pastor, you need to get on the people for coming late into the service. And the truth is there are some people, usually the same people, who arrive late every Sunday. And I say to our church, you know, my pastors want me to have a go at you. You can always tell where they are because they're the ones that sit toward the back. Praise the Lord. And no condemnation. I'm just saying that in our church, we know who they are because they're the ones that fill up the service 20 minutes after the service started. Are you hearing? And I say to them, I just want you to know, church, I'm just glad you come. I honestly think God honors the gas you burn to get in your car. To come here this morning, I can't believe you came to hear me preach. I'm just glad you came. I'm just really glad you're here today. And you feel these people go, oh, thank you, pastor. And I do say, however, just remember, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So if you're late coming to God's house every week, don't you be surprised if God's late answering your prayers. I just want to, I want to, and this is not just about church, this is about life about work and, you know, at work, we're, we're quick to lead. I'm, if I'm going to work on a it for the glory of God, if I'm going to help, I'm going to help for the glory of God. If I'm in a sports team and I'm part of the team, if I'm part of a committee, if I'm working at school and education, I'm going to be somebody who's quick to lead. I'm not going to follow the pack. God's called me to step up and to stand out. I've got a different spirit. Count me in. I love the armor bearer. He turned to Jonathan and he said, do all that's in your heart. I am with you, heart and soul. And Jonathan was saying to the armor bearer, let's take on 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and an infantry that can't be numbered. It was two against all that. And the armor bearer said, I'm with you, heart and soul. God, give us a church of people who've got a different spirit, who are quick to lead. Can you say amen? Here's the second one. I love this one. This is one of my favorites. Different spirit of people... Aren't ruled by what's in front of them. Different spirited people are not ruled by what's in front of them. Let me read to you the wisest man in all the world. Matter of fact, the Bible even says this person was the wisest man in all the world. No one was wiser before him and no one was wiser after him. Now we're not including Jesus, he stands out, right? But in scripture, I mean, how would you like to be the guy that the Bible says? This was the wisest man. So how many would be willing to listen to the wisest man in all the world? Okay, listen to what he wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter three, and uh, chapter 11, rather, verse 3. Look what he says. You ready for this? The wisdom of the wisest man in all the world. And I want you to hear it. Watch what he says. If the clouds are full of water. So the wisest man says, look up. Clouds full of water. So if they're full of water, what are they? They're rain clouds. Do you know what the wisest man has to say when he sees that? Wisest man in all the world. Do you know what he says? It's going to rain. Wisest man in all the world says, look at that. Clouds are full of water. It's going to rain. Matter of fact, he gets even better. Listen to what he says. He goes, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place it falls. You ready for it? Wisest man in all the world. If a tree falls to the south or the north, wisest man in all the world. You know what he says? There it will lie. There it is. Wisest man in all the world. Do you know what he's doing? This is called a principle called inevitable. If you look up at the clouds and you see rain clouds, it's inevitable. He's stating the obvious. It's inevitable. If the clouds are full of water, it's going to rain. You guys could do with a bit of rain out here right now, I hear. Amen. You'd love to see some clouds full the water. Okay. If a tree falls from the north or the south, wherever it falls, inevitable, it's going to lie there. Amen. So he's stating something. He's stating the obvious to make a point. So what's the point he's trying to make? Look at the next verse. He goes, um, I love it. It says, whoever watches the wind. Will not sow, will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Watch, he's talking about inevitabilities. It's inevitable that if you're ruled by what you see, you'll never be a sower. If you're ruled by what's in front of you, if you're ruled by what's in your bank account, if you're ruled by what the doctor says, are you hearing me? If you're rule, it is inevitable that if you're looking at the clouds and watching the stock market and trying to figure out how you're gonna live on this earth and for all the reasons why you can't sow and why you can't be a sower, it is as inevitable. If the clouds are full of the won't rain, you won't give. And if you don't give, you'll never reap. It is inevitable. And see, people with a different spirit, listen to this, they're not ruled by what's in front of them. They are moved and motivated by the wisdom of the Word of God. And in famine, I can trust God that He is Jehovah Jireh. And it doesn't matter what's in front of me. I trust my God is good and my God is with me and He is able to deliver me. Come on, somebody say amen. Look at this next one, number three. A different spirit. People with different spirit, with a different spirit. I want to be different. Anybody else? I don't want to be weird different, but I want to be different, good different. I want to know what manner of spirit I am of. Amen? Listen to this one. A different spirit worships. A different spirit worships. Look at this verse in the Bible. John chapter 14, verse 24. God said... Those who worship Him must worship Him, watch, in spirit and in truth. You see, I believe people with a different spirit are worshipers. Amen? They're passionate worshipers. Someone say amen. We are uh, in Virginia Beach, which is where our main campus is. We, uh, it's, it's the largest naval base in the world, Norfolk, Virginia. Virginia Beach. It's got all the aircraft carriers on the East Coast are all based there. NASA Langley is based there. A uh, marine base is there. All the SEAL teams are there. Uh, Camp Perry is there. That's where everybody being trained to be a spy in the CIA all go through Camp Perry. It's all in our area. It's an interesting area to pastor a church, let me tell you. And we have a bunch of Navy SEALs that worship in our church and go to our church and have gotten saved in our church. Matter of fact, we just played golf with one of them yesterday, who's now off the SEAL teams and transitioned into you know normal civilian life and doing great and uh, but they're the nicest train killers you'll ever meet they really are they're sweet guys if you get to know them they really are and they're warriors at the same time and so a lot of them come to our church and I had one of them come up to me one Sunday and he goes pastor I'm into everything I'm serving I'm giving I'm volunteering I love church there's nothing I don't like about church I just love it all And he goes away on deployment. He'll come home and his wife is, you know, we look after the military families. We send them deployment packages where we can stay in touch with them. He goes, I've just got one problem. And I said, what is it, man? He goes, in worship, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I know I should do it, but I can't. I said, what's up? He goes, I can't lift my hands. I don't know why. What's wrong with me? There's just something in me. And I look around at other people. And I look around all the time myself, to be honest. And watch some people have, you know, the the carry the TV pose of worship. You know what the carry the TV pose is like this. And 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 then, you know, some people kind of have the I'm too cool. To do anything else, so i 'm just going to rock with one hand in my pocket, and that 's their worship pose and then other people they 're kind of halfway there it 's kind of like you know is it bon jovi was it was it Bon Jovi or foreigner who' sung halfway there um, some of you Bon Jovi, thank you pastor's daughter knew the answer to that question and uh and so you know and, and it's like they they're kind of like this hands here and 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 and, and there's others. Who were kind of like, you know, I call them the the windmill Christian. They're kind of this, you know. And, And 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 those other people I call them picking grapes. They're like. And and but this guy, he says, What's wrong with me? And I looked at him, I said, It's so easy. I know exactly what your problem is. He goes, What is it? I said, You're a Navy SEAL. You were never trained to surrender. It's not in your training, men. But the Bible does say, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. And God gave you the desire to become a Navy SEAL. And may you be a good one. And may you be an elite soldier. May you be the warrior of warriors. And when you face your enemy, may you take your enemy down. Come on, somebody. And may you never surrender To your enemy. But my friends, he who made you the king of kings, the lord of lords, the lion of the tribe of Judah, you might just want to surrender to him because he gave you the gifting and the calling, and he went, I got it. Next Sunday, he's in church. You should have seen him. Oh, my gosh, his hands, I call it elbows above the ears. He was the highest hand raiser, and he looked at me, and he gave me a wink. I got a pastor, and I want to encourage you. People with a different spirit, they're worshipers. You're not ashamed. You're not shy. You're a passionate worshiper. Come on, so let's give God a praise break right now. Be a worshiper. <laughs> Here's the thought. Worship's not a pose. Worship's not a position. Remember Jesus talking to the woman at the well, which is the scripture I just read. And he said she was arguing about where we're to worship. And you Jews say you're supposed to worship there, but we say we're supposed to worship here. And I love what Jesus says. Worship's not a pose. It's, it's not a position. This is not worship alone. Can you say Amen. But it is a sign of somebody with a surrendered heart. It is a sign of somebody who's got a different spirit. You're not too school for school. And so Jesus said, don't just think worship's a place? When you come to church, that's the place where you worship. We worship everywhere we go. Can you say amen? Your work is a reflection of your worship because you bring a tithe of your work, which is what you've done. And that's a a sense of worship. I'm worshiping God in my work, and I'm bringing what I've earned from my job into the house of God. And I'm worshiping God, not just with my pose and not just the place where I'm standing, but I'm giving God worship from my work work. I'm saying He's my source in Jesus' name. Amen. And worship is not a platform. I want to encourage us. Let's be people with a different spirit. Can you say amen? Number, is this helping anybody? All right. Number four. I love this one. A different spirit has hope. In the world today, let me tell you, there's so much doom and gloom out there, isn't there? And it's like, you know, and you'll hear it. I promise you, you'll hear it. Coming up to 2024, the end of the year, and you're going to hear it. And this is, I promise you, I am by no means being political. But you'll hear it on both sides of the different views and camps. People are going to say, this is the most important election in the history of the world. And never been a more important election than ever before. And what they're doing is trying to rally their base. I get it all. But sometimes I do kind of think it is the corrupt calling the corrupt corrupt. Because they're trying to promote fear to motivate people. And I'm thinking, let's be different than that. Let's actually know who it is that we are going to vote for because God's given us that right and that freedom. Amen. But let's not be motivated by fear. Let's have a different spirit. Can you say amen? Let's, let's be intelligent. Let's be prayerful. And I say this to our church all the time. I don't care who you are. If you're a Republican or a Democrat and you disagree with Scripture, I'll slap you. Amen. Amen. Some, some, some views are a little bit align more with the Bible than others, and that's for a discerning person to figure what that is. Amen. But I want to say this one, Romans 15 verse 13, listen to this, May the God of hope, every say hope, the God of the God of fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in He's the God of and he wants you to abound in. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, can I tell you, a different spirit has hope. They are not hopeless. Oh, God, the world's coming to an end. Amen. Some people love to sit at the rapture bus stop, and they're talking more about the Antichrist. They want to talk about all the signs of the end times, and this is the end, and, it's, it's all, and God is judging, and it's all doom and gloom. But the Bible says he's the God of hope. And the Bible says we're supposed to abound in hope. I remember as a little kid and growing up in New York City, and I remember we used to have these drills. How many remember this? Let me just age yourself right now. We used to have these drills where they taught us, you know, things like better dead than red. Anybody remember this? One or two people. And we used to have to get on our hands and knees and crawl under the desk and figure a way out as an exit way in case we ever get attacked by the atom bomb. Anybody Anybody remember? And I'm thinking, as a little child, that's some pretty dark stuff to deal with. Amen? And then in the church, the church was preaching, Jesus is coming back. And then there was this thought about the end of the world, and and it's all, you know, doom and gloom. And you'd ask young people, what do you do with your life? And most young people back in those days, I'd like to just be alive when I'm older. Because everything they've heard has got no future to it because it's such doom and gloom. And then in the church, we said, Jesus is coming back. So why have a vision for the future if he's coming back? And we have paralyzed the church because we sat at a rapture bus stop. Rather than think what Jesus said, occupy until I come again. Be busy building the kingdom. Preach the good news. He's the God of Hope and may you be abounding in hope. And I believe people with a different spirit are dealers in hope, not dope. Hope, we ought to be hope dealers. We ought to be people who've got hope for the future. Can you say amen? This morning, I figured it out. I just was driving here and I turned the bird and I said, You know, I just realized that. Tomorrow morning, I'll be preaching here in Kerrville. My wife, is, my wife is preaching in our Wade Wilson campus in North Carolina. My son, Josh, is preaching in our main campus in Virginia Beach. My son-in-law is preaching in our Norfolk campus. And my other son is preaching in Fellowship Church in Dallas, Texas this morning. Our whole family. And you know what we're all trying to do? Proclaim hope. He's the God of hope. May the God of hope cause you to abound in hope. If you're facing sickness, I got hope for you today. God is your healer. If someone's not walking with God, I got hope for you. He who began a good work in you will bring it to pass. If you're today feeling like you're depressed, I got hope for you. Listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He is the lifter of your head. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If you're facing financial challenges, I got hope for you. He is Jehovah Jireh, and he will supply all your needs according to his riches and his glory. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a head. He's the God of hope. Where does all this doom and gloom come from? People who don't have a different spirit. Listen to what it says. Romans 4 verse 18. It says, against all hope. I love that verse. Against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed. And so he became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Now, we read that and we think that's nice, against all hope, in hope. It's a cute little ditty. It's a good way to say, it. against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. But what does it mean to be against all hope? Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. Abraham, listen to this, faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. What does that mean? God said, you're going to have a son in your old age. And Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. What does it mean to be against all hope? When you can face the facts, there was no Cialis. There was no Viagra. I'm trying to tell you what that verse is saying. What that verse is saying, this old boy wasn't up for the occasion of interacting with Sarah. Why? Because he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Do you know what that verse is saying? saying, his body parts went south on him. He's beyond the age. That's what it means when it says against all hope. He wasn't able to be a contributor to the process of what it would be to conceive a child. There's no hope. That, that horse has bolted. That ship has sailed. They in my younger days, oh, I could have had some hope. Come on, that's what it's saying. I know we've cleaned it up and made it all pretty, but that's what the Bible's saying. Against all hope, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And even on his best day, maybe one day, he's thinking, man, I feel young. And he looks over at Sarah. Hey, girl, you're looking mighty fine today. The Bible says she was so old and even when she was able to bear children, she was barren. So not only is there against all hope for Abraham facing the fact that his body's good as dead, but even Sarah on her child conceiving days was unable to conceive child, but now she's way past that age. Are you getting what it means to be against all hope? Now it says against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. I want to encourage you, if you've got a different spirit, you'll believe the Word of God. And you won't just listen to what your body's telling you. You're not just going to listen to what the world's telling you. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed. Some of you will never read Romans again after that little illustration. And may you understand really what it's trying to point out to you and I. Because sometimes we feel like we're up against impossible circumstances. It says, yet he did not waver in unbelief concerning the promises of God. That's a different spirit. That's why the Bible says he's the father of many nations. That's why the Bible says we're of the seed, we're of the faith, and we're of the promise of Abraham. Because we got a different spirit. We believe what God says. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, give a Lord a hand if you've received the word. Ah, my time's up. Want one more? I'll give you one more. Are you ready for this? How many want one more? Praise the Lord. All right, who will just give me five more minutes? Let me see your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20. We good. By the way, I don't know if you noticed this. I've been teaching a lot out of the book of Romans. Look at this. It says, I just did a series on Romans. Um, A different spirit never lacks zeal. Oh, listen to this. Romans 12, verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal. But... Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking zeal. That's a compelling scripture. Because the Bible's telling me it's possible to never do it, to never be lacking in zeal. I got to look at my life, and there's some times when I just didn't feel the zeal. Remember that song, The Zeal of God Hath Consumed Me? There were some times when I didn't even have the zeal to sing the song. You with me here? The zeal of God has consumed me. And the Bible says, never be lacking in zeal. It wouldn't say if it weren't possible. So I thought, well, what's the key? Look what it says. But it gives you the answer. But keep your spiritual fervor. Serving God. The Lord. you got to keep on serving when you don't feel like it. When it's tough and it's hard. I see too many people. I actually think this. You're either serving or you're swerving. And how do we keep our zeal? By choosing to keep on serving. But watch what it says here. This is the key to it. It says, but keep your spiritual further." Never be lacking in zeal, but keep. Keep means, listen to this, you can lose it. you got to keep it. And you got to make a decision. I'm going to keep my spiritual fervor. That's a choice I make. No matter how good or bad life is. And I've seen people lose their zeal and they're no longer serving today. And they've got all the reasons in the world. They can point to a person. They can point to a church. They can point to a a, a Christian person that maybe offended them and hurt them. They can point to a pastor. And they can have all the reasons why they're no longer serving. But I think to myself, you've lost more than you're serving. You've lost your zeal. Look at me. I'm 60 years old. I know I don't look that. Thank you for the underwhelming amen. <laughs> I've been buried 40 years this year. And I can honestly tell you, I love God more now than I did when I ever got saved. And I'm here today not thinking to myself, what a blessing it is for you to have me. But I'm standing here today going, God, I can't believe I get to be here today. I remember when I first ever got invited to speak. And, and, and in our church, I spoke, and in our youth ministry, I spoke, but I got my first phone call. Steve, would you please, and I'll give you the the idea of what it was. I got a phone call. Imagine if I lived, for, for the sake of an American context, if I lived in New York, and a church all the way in Los Angeles rang me and said, Steve, would you come and speak for us at our conference? And I honestly... Never thought. Now, Australia and America are the same land size. I don't know if you know that. But the difference between the east coast of the United States and the west coast of the United States is there's a highway with cities all the way through it, not in Australia. There is a desert that goes for almost 2,000 miles. It's deadly if you break down out there. The temperature can get 120, which is an average day here in Kerrville. Um <laughs> Um, degrees. And if you break down, you do not dare leave your car and try and walk. You will die. And it still is like that today. And I turn I, on the phone, I said to them, I'd love to come, but my car is so old, I don't think I'd make it across the Nullerball plane. And they laughed. They said, we'll fly you. I said, you'll do what? We'll put you on a plane. And I gotta tell you, I couldn't believe that somebody thought enough of my preaching that they would want me to come and bring the word of the Lord and they would fly me. And I remember to this day getting on the plane going, God, I can't believe I get to do this. And I still remember the seat I sat on, seat 57K. That's a good memory. You know that seat? That's the last seat in the plane that doesn't recline because it's up against the restroom wall. That was my seat. And I sat in that seat and I went, God, what a privilege. God, what an opportunity. And as soon as I sat down, the Holy Spirit said, get used to this, son. You're going to do this a lot. Well, here I am five million miles later in airlines. And I still live with that sense of zeal. Dear God, thank you that I get to be in Kerrville this morning with my friend Bert and Becky and preach to Gates of the City. And I want to encourage you if you got a different spirit, keep your zeal in the house of God, keep your zeal in your marriage, keep your zeal and your wonder and your awe and your appreciation. Keep your zeal. Thank you. God, for the children's ministry. We're here today and the kids are being looked after. Don't go out there and go, where's my kid? Why aren't they here? You give them a hug and say, thank you for ministering to my children. To the youth pastor, can I speak on the behalf of the youth leader? Be kind to the youth leader. I used to be one. It's the toughest job in the world. To the worship team, don't go, I didn't get anything out of the worship. Good. we weren't worshiping you. When you first walked into this church, you looked at the building, you looked at its facility. Oh, my gosh. But if you're not careful over time, you can lose your zeal. Don't know if I like the lights. Don't know if it sounds too loud. Don't know if I, why isn't that done? Keep your zeal. Can you say amen? What an honor it is to serve the Lord. What an honor it is to be a Christian in the kingdom. What an honor it is. Keep your zeal in your job. Keep it in your marriage. People say the grass is greener on the other side. I've discovered the grass is green where you water. You water your marriage, you'll have green grass. Amen. Keep your zeal for life. Don't become one of those people. When you get old, you get cranky. You know the ones that kids want nothing to do with? I'm I'm going to the gym now four days a week. I've been doing it for tears. And these trainers keep going, Steve, we want to train you. I "I don't want you to train. I don't want to look like you. I'm just fighting age. All I want to do is feel strong enough to chase my grandchildren. That's that's the whole goal in life, just to feel strong enough to pick them up because they're getting older now. It's, and and I and I want to encourage you you got to keep you got to keep some stuff I, I want to keep my strength I want to keep my joy and that's a choice you can't blame other people for why you lost it you lost it but here's the good news if you lost it you can get it back amen come on give it my time's up praise the lord I asked you pastor I said How long do you want me to preach for? And this is what he said to me. He said, Steve, you can preach till 4 p.m. But everybody walks out of here at 12 noon. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do you receive the word? Can we have a different spirit? Can we choose? When we look at people, you know, with so much of the transgender community, and I want to tell you, I believe the word of God. I don't believe there is an identity crisis. I believe God made male and female. But can we have a different spirit? And somehow figure it is, how can we reach them? How can we bring a message? Because we got a different spirit. When it comes to LGBTQ, don't get me wrong. God made Adam and He made Eve. Marriage is between a man and a woman. But how, God, can I have a different spirit to reach them, to show them love and mercy and yet grace and truth? Can you say amen? That's my prayer. That's what this verse to me is speaking to me about. How can I have a different spirit? Uncompromising on the authority and the clarity of Scripture, but also showing a different spirit, how I can win them to Christ in Jesus' name. That's everybody. Rich and poor. Amen. Politician to a prostitute. I want to reach everybody. How about you?